Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bowlology Report. Damien Fleming here. As always, a massive couple of weeks in cricket. We'll be touching on the IPL, the Aussies wins over in England, the Aussie girls taking on the Kiwis, what's happening with Shield cricket. Um, And we've got a couple of blockbuster guests, greats of Australian cricket and Australian comedy. But joining me as always, co-host, Australian batsman, Victorian star batsman, uh, hasn't got a first-class wicket yet. And his economy rate at first class level, 7.18. So, Pete Hanscom, you're the captain of the Vicks. Are you going to get a bowling average this summer? No, 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 no. Bowling days are done. Uh, Flem, thanks for the introduction though, mate. Um, but no, we uh, I bowled nine overs straight uh, on a flat junction wicket last year, uh, trying to set up a game. And that'll be the last time I think <laughs> ball is in hand. So, yeah, no, I'm done, mate. So, your debut and retirement in, in the one innings? Uh, no, I bowled two overs before that uh, in a county game in England, trying to get through the overs. Um, my first ball went for four. I then bowled five dots, got myself a second over, and that one went for 17. Um, so not not a great start and not a great finish. So I think, yeah, the bowling bowling career is definitely done. So there's a common theme there. There's a common theme. A declaration. Bowled, yeah, and I bowl junk. So. Hanscom bowls junk. Hey, what about our, our cricketing guest today? Oh, yeah. Cricketing oh. royalty. One of our greatest players of all time. One of our greatest blokes, Pete. One of the great men to have a beer with. Exactly right. Looked up a couple of little stats for this man. He was the first guy in test cricket to hit 100 sixes. Oh, nice. 100 sixes in tests alone. That's not bad. I don't think I've, I'm not even close to that in my career, so. I didn't hit one. Um, oh, what about keeping-wise, 900 international dismissals? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> not bad, Flem. Uh, he was picked in Richie Benno's, the great man's uh, best cricketing 11. He's part of a uh, Sports Australia Hall of Fame. Media superstar these days, gone to Fox Sports. Uh, he's an ambassador, a director. He does everything. So much so that Bradley Hodge on the Biology Report called him Google Gilly because he's everywhere. Adam yep. Gilchrist, thanks for joining us on the Biology Report. Uh, g'day, guys. How are you? Very, very kind introduction there. I know, Flem, you did ask me to start talking right at the start, but I just wanted to sit back and let you guys keep talking about me. <laughs> nah, nah, very good. Very good to join you chaps uh, on the, the Biology Report. Fine work you're carrying out here. Are I will you, say Flem? about interesting, uh, Pete, about your bowling stats there, um, I, I thought that there, there might be a question to me about my bowling and, and the one game where I did bowl, didn't bowl in test career, didn't bowl in first class career, but in a, in a Prime Minister's 11 match years ago, Dan Marsh uh, bowling, rolled his ankle, so had three deliveries left 
to bowl. I wasn't keeping. Um, we had a, a young fella keeping that I was out prowling in the field and I thought, oh, it's captain. I thought, Jesus, if ever there's a chance. So I just finished his over. Three three balls. I jammed in three Yorkers. Oh, well, you beauty. I've got to go again here. I've got to go again. So I gave myself one more over. Yeah, went for 22. <laughs> just just missed, the, missed the hole a little bit there. Yeah, just missed that second time round. And, of course, my only other delivery, one delivery I bowled in competitive cricket was my last ever game of IPL where I just ripped out Harbish and Singh. But that's that's for another biology report. We can that. <laughs> that's, that is right, Gil. What a way yeah. to finish. We'll be talking a bit of IPL later on. Hey, and also you two, links, um, both fine batsmen take the gloves, but Pete, one day debut. Yeah. He gave you the cap. I was uh, I was very very lucky to have to have Gilly present me my uh, one day cap for Australia over at the Wacker, um, and what I liked about it, Gilly, I think um, you know I hope you remember, mate. That uh, I do clearly remember, mate. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Um, I, you, you did it slightly differently, and and this is what I liked. It, you made it quite uh, personal and and just just with the team, and we didn't do it out on the field. Um, we did it in the change rooms with no media around, no cameras, nothing, no one watching, just just us, uh, mm-hmm. us and the team. And I really liked that because I think it made it an even, you know, quite a special moment there, just just being able to sort of embrace everything that was going on, not worrying about, um, yeah, all the cameras and, and everyone yeah. else kind of just watching that special moment. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, well, I'm glad it's nice to, to hear that that did mean something to you because that's exactly what I why I wanted to do it. It was it was funny, Flame, at the time, that was when uh, we were working with Channel 10 on the Big Bash and obviously Channel 9 had the international career rights and there was this suddenly a rumour flying around that, that I'd purposely done it inside so that Channel 9 oh. couldn't get the cameras there. You know, some sort of rivalry between 9 and 10, which was absolute rubbish. Um, it was for all those reasons. But as we all know, modern technology, there's a propensity to try and share everything with everyone um, and there's not much left unshared or uh, unviewed and recorded in this day and age, particularly for you current players now. It's, um, you know, there's social media teams within the cricket team um, following you everywhere. So, yeah, that was the main thing. Just There are a few things you'd like to keep sacred that are purely only for, for the people that are involved and try to add that little bit of extra depth of meaning to it. So I'm glad glad you remember that and, and took note of that bit, mate. But, um, yeah, you'll, you'll find out, Pete, down the track. It's a very, very big honour, one that know, all us ex-players take um, very, very seriously and in a very proud manner. Hey, Gil, as I said, you're in the know. Does, does Mr Cricket have to do 80% of them? Is that, <laughs> is that in the contract? Mr. <laughs> Cricket's there the whole time. Oh, mate, he has. He's, um, yeah, I think the last report, the last recipient said, oh, not bloody cricket. <laughs> um, but he's always, well, I mean, he's overseas a lot. We're doing his commentary and um, it's always a, a nice start when you when the team's overseas. You, you feel like a little bit more close to the group. But, uh, yeah, popular man, Mr. C, versatile. Gil... Uh, uh, just looking up the, the highlights of your career today, you know, there's so many of them, but one of them I just wanted to talk about off the top was that the 100 against England in 2006-07. Mm. Um, and also just to show a little bit about your mentality, the way you played your cricket um, compared to some of us mere mortals. You know, I remember you walking out the bat. You're on a pair, right? Yeah. So I'm nervous for you. I don't want you to make a pair. 
Yeah, I know what, how nervous I was when I was on pairs. I, I was just doing everything I can, inside edge, outside edge, whatever. You got off with a streaky shot yeah. uh, from from Freddie. Um, what would, did, did you used to talk think about pairs? Because it looks like you just walked out and said, stuff the pair, I'm just going to make the quickest 100 by an Australian. Oh, well, talking of pairs, I remember just just sort of going back a bit, 2001, quickly, Flemo, our, uh, our, well, famous, ill-fated tour of India. <laughs> um, you know, we get to Mumbai, Australian cricket teams haven't won test match series for 31 years in India. We get to Mumbai, we carve them up in three days. I've got 100 off 80 balls. I thought, what the hell have these blokes been doing for 31 years? This is easy. Um and then we had a, I don't know if you remember, but we had a tour match in between in Delhi before the second test up at Eden Gardens. I didn't play. I had a game off. Um, and I remember just sitting back, just as you do, you're just relaxing then at the game, no pressure, no expectation, even a practice game. Don't even have to switch on. Bit of small talk around the change room and the topic of pairs came up, Pete. And I remember Justin Langer saying to me, oh, Gil, have you ever got a pair? And I knew I hadn't. <laughs> I, I hadn't, but I hated sort of tempting fate and talking about things like that. And I just turned around and I just blatantly lied. I said, yeah, 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 yeah. And then just walked away, just got out of the conversation. And of course, the next test match, I got at first ball in the first innings and then uh, fielded for, I think it was about 1,872 deliveries <laughs> and then went out to bat uh, facing Sachin with the trap set, and we go, don't sweep, don't sweep, don't sweep. I sweep, plum, LB, first ball. So first Australian in history to get a king pair. So, um, yeah, wipe that out. Wipe that off the ledger very quickly, Flem. So uh, I, I never really got nervous about pairs after that because I, I sort of joined my own club. Of, you completed uh, it, mate. So, yeah, but that day in, in, in Perth, I was, uh, I'd, I'd sort of, in my mind, Decided I was probably going to retire after that series, after the first duck in the first innings. I came home and pretty much told my wife, Mel, I said, I'm done, I'm, I'm out of here after this. And she pretty much just smacked me around the head figuratively and said, Rubbish, you're just whinging because you've got a duck and you, you know, England have got a bit of a stranglehold on you from the 05 Ashes, and, which was spot on. But that second innings, I went out there. I do, I do recall after the first innings, I got a, a bat pad to Monty Penisar. And I remember walking off thinking, if I ever face him again, and if I'm not going to get caught off his bowling, it's at least going to be on the boundary. I'm not going to get a rubbish little negative push back pad. So got out there. Of course, Freddie's on. Very streaky shot through what sort of a gully region where there was no field or I don't know why. But And then the next ball, I absolutely smacked a similar type delivery off the back foot like right out of the screws, and I just thought, I, might, I chuckled that good old sort of line, well-used line, Jesus, it's a fine line between, you know, success and failure, isn't it? And if it's been caught for a duck, a golden duck, I might have retired, but anyway, um, yeah, that, that sort of set the, pulled the trigger from that moment on, and it turned out to be probably the most fun, not my best innings ever, but the most fun innings I played in, in international cricket because it just reminded me of all the reasons that we play. Mate, it was awesome to watch as well um, and definitely love the idea of uh, the positive approach rather than the negative one to Monty just being like, right, yeah. if you're going to get me, it's on the fence, not at, uh, not at bat pad or, or I'm going to get him first at least. So yeah. 
that's a nice uh, it's a nice way to think about it because I reckon a lot of players tend to go the other way a little bit as well and kind of go go into their shell and get a little bit nervous going out there and then that brings in the catches around the bat. So totally. yeah, that was. Um, I mean that 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 Freddie and the, that England attack had a stranglehold on me through the back. You know, predominant amount of that 05 Ashes and 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 probably for twelve months after I was. Just caught too much, like you say, Pete. In the negative, I, I wasn't a negative cricketer by any stretch, but I was I was bogged, and it had me. I remember sitting down with Huss talking to Mister Cricket again. I remember sitting down. We, we were in a car going back from the ground after I can't remember which game, but I, I'd failed again, and I sat in the back, and he's sitting there, and I I said, "Fair dinkum, Huss." I said, "This game has got me by the throat. I'm just." I'm gone here. I'm just struggling. I'm really just strangled by this game at the moment. I don't know what to do and how to handle it. And Huss, there's about 30 seconds silence, and Huss just went, mmm. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't say a word. So <laughs> that was his contribution to help me dig out of that hole. But, uh, anyway, I found a way out, uh, and it was, yeah, like more often than not, we all go through a slump and we all end up saying, right, we've got to get back to our natural game, watch that, and typically it's a pretty positive approach. Yeah, I'm visualising Mr Cricket just visualising a net while you're talking. <laughs> um, but isn't it interesting, um, as you just said there, Gil, you know, we all go through uh, plateaus throughout our career and then getting out of it, how often is it solved by getting back to, to doing what you do well and doing the basics yeah. well and hanging in there? Yeah, I think it's and it's it's how quickly you can get to that point. You know, it's, uh, we probably all rush everything. We, we're always trying to get it too hasty to try and turn it around. So yep. probably it's easier said now. But when you're in the middle of it, getting some good advice and support that can say, look, just take your time, and it might not be an overnight fix. It might be it might be a gradual, you know, period of coming out of this, and 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 then before you know it. Um, the more relaxed you are or you get that one little bit of good fortune, away you go. But we're, we're so hasty to, to try and rectify whatever the issue is. But it's it's, it's hard thing to do when you're in the eye of the storm, isn't it? I'd say easier said than done because yeah. it's, it's not just about taking your time and knowing that you're going to constantly be in the team with you know a, a run of fails. Like you're, you're yeah. trying to turn it around bloody quickly because you don't want to get dropped from the team and then you're worried about never, ever playing again. So, yeah. like, yeah, it is It is tough to just try and go back to either what you know or what feels natural and, and really backing that in, even if you are struggling. Yeah. Um, and then especially with all these other pressures that come with it, with the selection and all the media, yeah. um, you know, telling you where you should be and, and what you should yeah. be doing and stuff like that. So, yeah, the doubt the doubt creeps in. It is tough to, to get on top of it again. Yeah. Good chat Absolutely. there, boys. Now, Gil, we've got this segment and Pete owns it. Uh, we change the title every week. I think we've settled on it's Pete's Newsweek. <laughs> yeah. We went real fancy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you don't have a play on or an opener or something like that for it? Oh, I'll add that in later. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're simple men, Gilly, but um, moving forward, of the first first news that I want to bring up, real positive one, um, England-Australia one-day series, and we've gone over there against the old enemy and got the chocolates, 2-1. 
Um, bloody brilliant. Awesome for the boys. And sort of just going to touch on the first two games first and then have a look at the third one. Um, just uh, the, the trend, uh, and it was sort of the, the way it was going in India, uh, in England, but chasing over in England seemed like it was getting tougher and tougher with the, with the used wickets. Um, you know, they're only using two venues for international cricket, so the squares starting to get really worn. Um, the bowling sides can really start to get on top of on top of the batting side. And, and I think we saw that in both games where um, Australia bat first, win by 19 runs, um, runs on the board, you know, key. Uh, Marsh and Maxwell, the two, the two big boys there, uh, got him out of trouble. And great to see uh, Mitchie Marsh coming in and, and doing that as well, just because he's such a ripping lad. Yeah. Um, such a good bloke. Unfortunately, uh, might have rolled his ankle or hurt his yeah. his foot overnight in the IPL. Um, so I know he's an avid listener of the biology report. So I hope hope Mitchie all uh, a fast recovery. Yeah, um, Maxie was brilliant, wasn't he? In that partnership, Mitch Mitch was a sort of stabiliser, but Maxie gave that innings the impetus to get it up to competitive total. I thought. Yeah, 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 and that was something Flem, that we sort of touched on in the when we were talking about Maxie's in the T twenties and and how he kind of. He copped it a little bit for the the way he um, the way he goes about it, or a couple of early shots, getting caught a cover off the spin, second ball. But um, this shows like what kind of player he is, and he can come out. And yes, he might play some rash shots early in his innings, but when he comes out, when he or when he comes off, it's it's bloody awesome to watch. And uh, so happy for him to get those runs on the board and, and give him a lot of confidence. I think. So there's no there's no player in Australia like him. No, um, no, no, no. You know, but just that genuine power which he's always had, it, it, it's fearsome. So I think you've just got to create the environment that where he he feels safe and, and backed because um, you're going to get the rewards which we did continue through the series. And it sounds like, uh, Pete, and you'd, you'd know full well the, the, the relationship between the two, but Maxie really responds well to Finchie and, and they have a strong relationship, strong friendship. Yeah. And it, by all reports from Maxie's quotes that he's, he's been given a role there at seven and, and that's where he knows he's going to be now uh, and that he can just formulate his game plan from that. But whether you love him or hate him, you can't look away from his batting, can you? It is just box office. It yeah. is so entertaining. Yeah, it's all that people want to see. He's, <laughs> uh, no, no boundaries too big. He just smokes it. And if it's offside or leg side, it doesn't matter. So... He'll, uh, he'll take it on and he's going to entertain the crowds, which is great to see. Yeah. Another entertainer, um, and this is, I, I love seeing this, was, and maybe the Australian batsman didn't, but um, Archer up in full flight, uh, especially after copping a little bit for maybe during the test series, maybe holding it back a touch. He came out and bowled absolute gas, um, and it was scary, and I felt for, for Davey there, who copped the seed of the, of the uh, series, yeah. I reckon. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, when he came in, Archer, and when I first saw I didn't watch it live. I sort of, sort of got the update the next morning, and he was just bowling those guys. And I thought, ooh, they look, look like they're a little bit sort of timid of the ball there, couldn't sort of stay in a bit leg side. And then I sort of watched it again and looked at the speeds, and then, <laughs> nah, he's just too good, too quick, too good on a wicket that was just a suiting for that sort of bang it into that track on that length bowling. He was... First class, 
Yeah, it's sort of funny, you know, when you release the ball and it hits the pitch, you lose pace. That's what happens. So yeah. the quicker bowlers, um, you know, don't lose as much pace. When you watch on the TV, Archer seems to pick up pace <laughs> off the pitch and extreme bounce. So that's uh, there's no one around like that. No, it's scary, and it's. I think there's a fair bit in his action, his wrist, and it's been it's been spoken about, but. Because he doesn't run in that fast, you, as a batter, you're kind of thinking, all right, all right, like you, you, you can get the pace off the bowler. Like when you see Brett Lee running in or when we saw him running in, it was like, right, this guy's going to bowl gas. He's, he's running fast, he's going to bowl fast. Whereas Archer kind of ambles in and then last minute wrist and, and position is just incredible that it just, it seems on you yeah. before you realise it. Yeah, yeah, I was wondering that, but you've explained that well because, mm. yeah, Show of Actor was running 150 metres at 150 k's an hour. You knew it was going to be quick. But that, that looks, uh, looks very um, stealth-like from, uh, from Archer. Yep, and, uh, and our batters were pretty good as well in that first game. Um, Bearstow and, and Billings uh, got, them, got them close, got them, got them bloody close. And I'm loving what Bearstow's doing up at the top of the order. Uh, he, he had a pretty good summer and... He's just continuing to go from strength to strength. I think he's a, a class player and will, and will continue to make a lot of runs for England. Um, and I was pumped to see Billings do well. Mm. He's, uh, he's an absolute belter of a bloke. And, you know, probably hasn't taken the opportunity the way he'd want to when he's come into England's size. And I think, I think that was a, a great chance for him. And he, um, I think he's wrapped with it. And it was, it was great to see him do what he, what he can do and what we – as a playing group, what we know he can do because we've seen him do some amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then but the bowlers, the Aussie bowlers, Zamps, love Zamps, um, four for 55 and Hoff up the top, Big Hazelwood, three for 26 in that first game. Set the tone, swinging it, um, scary, scary stuff. And, and Zamps is just class. It was great to see him come back from probably a tough t- T20 series. And then he's come in... Um, Backed himself in, Gilly, like he's had a tough time, but he's still yep. backed what he's doing, what we spoke about, um, and got, got the rewards and got a lot of confidence going to the next two games. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was in trouble a few years ago. We, 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 particularly in Australia, not going with a spinner. You know, we're using part-timers like Maxi. Um, but he's improved uh, so much. And, and, and it was shown in that, that three-match series. We could take a, a partnership breaker, good economy rate. Yeah, I, I, he he had some some success against uh, India and, and Coley, hasn't he? In particular, obviously, yep. a couple of years ago out here, and then when when the boys went over there, um, so all those little stepping stones to build confidence and just, I guess, the ultimate confidence booster. And you alluded to it before, Pete, is consistency of selection. Yep. And just knowing that you're not fighting for your spot every time, uh, you're not on trial every time, and then you can start to build a little sort of um, catalogue of work and put it together and start to, to gain the momentum. So, yeah, looks yep. like a, a hell of a bite to have in and around the team too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's a bit of a rooster, so <laughs> yeah. uh, he's, good. he's good fun on and off the field. Um, but moving on to the second game then, so England bat first this time, get the, get the win by 24 runs. Um, probably the, the big thing for me, and, and it comes up again in the third game, is their lower order hitting. Uh, and in one day cricket, the the bowlers being able to score runs, I think, plays such a big part, 
not only for the team, but for the way the batters up the top can bat. So you look at England and I, it, I'm amazed with how much freedom they look as if they bat with. I mean, yeah. you only need to look at their captain. Uh, Morgan comes out, runs down. Under, in, in under 10 balls, he's running down and slapping one over cover or straight back down the ground. And if your captain's doing that and backing everyone else in, uh, it's, it's awesome and breeds that confidence. And I think that can come a lot from that tale as well where you know, Rashid, uh, Adil Rashid, Tommy Curran coming in and, and slapping them around, uh, you know, they're, they're batting down to number 10, which is, uh, which is dangerous, a very, very dangerous side and why they're number one in the world. Yeah, good, really good call. Just going back to that, again, jumping around a bit, but that point about the freedom at the top, that's where that Australian middle order, so if Mitch and, and Maxi and, and obviously we'll get to Alex Carey and, and those can really consolidate and form a consistent balanced lineup. I think that will release the handbrake a bit for, for Finchie and, uh, and David Warner at the top because I don't... I mean, they're, they're world-class players and they've been doing it for 10 years, the, the two at the top. But it doesn't look like in the last few years they've had quite the capability or um, uh, allowance to be so free the way that they can be, like Bairstow and uh, Jason Roy at the top yep. of England because it's just you can just go as hard as you want because you know you've got the consistent depth all the way down and the consistent belief and consistent selection. So that, that'll be great for Australia to, to the, the top order will get the benefit from that middle order. Yeah. Trust, yeah. isn't it? Trust from the selectors. Trust yeah. that you're, you're given a role uh, that you can play. Yeah. And, and that England team definitely, isn't it? You know, Trevor Bayless a few years ago was a, a goal to win the, the White Bull World yeah. Cup 50 over and they just go hard. Yeah. And that was Morgs taking over as captain too, wasn't it? Well. Morgan. It's like, no, that's the way we're going to play. That's the positive approach, yeah. um, going to it rather than running away from it. Um, Zamps as well, another three wickets, just just doing his thing, great stuff. Um, and then the Aussies looked like they were going to get it done uh, with Finch and, Finchie and Marnish just uh, you know, cruising along, putting on a good partnership. Um, but, yeah, they're just, just a tough, tough crumble, and this is where that... That lower order, you know, hopefully um, can start to get that more confidence going into these games and we'll, we'll start getting these chases, which, you know, in the third game we do. So happy days. Um, but one note that I had here that I think that gave Australia uh, a lot of confidence going into the third game was that Adil Rashid was the only bowler to go over four runs and over in this game. Uh, he went... He went at over sixes. He got one for 67. Every, every other bowler went under fours. And I had him as the danger man. I think if Australia could get on, on top of him, mm-hmm. um, because he is so good for them, he controls those middle overs and gets big wickets, similar to what uh, Zampa does for us. If we could control him, then we can go a long way into, into those runs, run chases, yeah. um, which, which is what happened in game three. Game three, it was phenomenal. So it sort of went against everything you said, Pete. You know, chasing's tough. Yeah. We're in trouble. Um, and, Gil, you know, there was criticism of Carey from the English press. Yeah. And that, that, that's one of the most incredible partnerships of all time between Maxie and Carey. 
Yeah, that absolutely. Yeah, and for for Kez to respond to, uh, yeah, a little bit of speculation around with Josh Philippi being included in the squad, and obviously his stars on the rise. And um, you know, is is that the sort of uh, type of player that Australia need at the top of the order with the gloves? And does that then mean Kez is out? But um, yeah, he's just such a a quality all round cricketer and person and and he's a workaholic isn't he he just trains and trains and does everything right Alex Carey so uh, it's a matter of time until those type of people get the chance to shine through and 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 funnily enough it, it's often your, your greatest time of need or when you're in dire trouble that's your opportunity it's hard to it's not easy to no. come in in that middle order when the top order is booming and, and then and then there's a little mini collapse and then you've still got to go out there and, and go at 10 and over. Um, you know, often yeah. when you're in real trouble in one-day cricket, that's when that middle order get time to reset and then build an innings. And that's what they did beautifully. And then yeah, I love, I love, that, love that, Gilly, because I think um, the press can quite quickly forget uh, the roles that these guys are playing. Yep. Uh, those middle order, five, six, seven batters, uh, They've got to be so versatile. So yep. they, if they come in with five overs to go, they have to slog them and, and it's expected or the, you know, people expect them to strike at 150 plus. Um, and if they don't, it's a failure. But to come in at that time and smoke them is really, really hard. And that's why it doesn't come off all the time. And on the flip side, which is what happened in this game, you come in and the team's in... In trouble, five for seventy-three, four for you know not many, and then all of a sudden it's up to you to to be the anchor and, and control it. So I think they can be quite quite tough on these players, and um, what might look like a failure actually actually isn't. They're still trying to do the team thing, which I think is the biggest part of these middle order batters for the for the one day team. Um, and if they keep getting backed in. Which they are, and it looks like it's it's really really good. They're gonna they're gonna shine through, and they're gonna take these opportunities like Karen and Maxwell uh, did in this game, and it was just just awesome to see. Well, I just expect you know cares to to keep going from there. Now I think you get a hundred batting in that position there. It can't get any harder. Um, hey, Gil, just quickly back to your career. What about that moment um, you got asked by Steve Ward to open? Yeah, well, you know, that... you remember you know, what it was like when he says that you succeed first up. They've been trying to find an opening partner with Junior. Yeah, um, you won. Yeah, what was it like getting asked to open in a like South African attack? And then two, did you feel like um, you'd found your position in the team? Yeah, that was um, that was we'd fielded first in that first final at the MCG against South Africa, and then we came off. I'd been batting at seven uh, since I'd come into the team regularly. And then over a bowl of ice cream, Tugger said, I might get you to open today, mate. <laughs> so that whole, like, that Maxwell-Finch relationship where they'd sat down and really yeah. talked about it and planned where he was going to Didn't quite have that in-depth conversation with Tugger, but I tell you, I, I actually said to him, why? what, why? Um, and he said, I just think you're the right man for the job. And, and oh. that was good enough for me. <laughs> I was went and chucked the gear on and raced out there, and um, it didn't exactly set the world on fire first time. I managed to run out junior <laughs> oh. first time we batted together in a, it, opening up. I, 
but he kept smacking them to Jonty Rhodes at backward point, and I was creaming them, but they couldn't. I couldn't get it past him. And then I finally just absolutely belted one, and I said yes. And of course, Jonty dived full stretch, <laughs> brought it down. Then I said no. <laughs> uh, it's a proper frying that I absolutely burn him. But um, but then I'm we just visualising Junior when he got into the dressing rooms. Oh, just mate. loud enough to go. Does this bloke know how to call? <laughs> well, we we got it right the next time, and away we went. So that was uh, that was good fun. But but again, positive approach that and 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 having the being given permission to go out there and really take it on. Now, I, you know, yeah. back in those days, that's you know twenty years ago, um, twenty five years ago, nearly um, getting told to to try and go at a hundred runs at a hundred strike rates from the get go. That was a bit. Sort of un, unheard of at the time, but but that's what I was given the direction to do from Tugger. Sort of mm. don't don't worry about the the consequences if it doesn't come off, and and that's uh, and then you you know that plus the talented batting lineup we had gave me the confidence to to go out there and just do it pretty freely. That that role definition I think is is awesome. Yeah. Um, the last thing you want as a batter is is going out there, Gil, and you'll you know this is like oh what am I what does the team want me to do in this situation? Yeah. What do I need to do in this situation? But if you're sort of, if you're being told, mate, just, just play your natural game, go and do it, you know, yeah. you'll, you'll pick the right situations or the right balls to go. It just frees your mind up and then all you have to do is worry about the ball coming down at you. Yeah, and, and I, obviously I was a wicket keeper in the team, so that adds a bit more strength to you being picked. But I don't recall... I don't, yeah, I just, off the top, man, I don't really ever recall thinking, because I was up and down, with that style of play, you're going to be, you know, you might get a few good ones and then a few low ones and then a good one and a low one. It's it's, it's not going to be consistent, but I don't ever remember fretting for my position at the top of the order. Mm. Um, you know, I didn't take it for granted, but I don't ever remember walking around thinking, God, if I don't get runs today, I'm either going to get dropped or I'm going to get slipped down the bottom order. Like, it was just like this... My recollection is that's my job. Yeah, I'll back me in. That's great. That's so good. Uh, Pete, what else? Well, happened? Yeah, we'll move on uh, from the one days. But staying in England, um, Ian Bell just quickly has officially played his last professional game um, for Warwickshire Bears. Uh, he has retired and. Uh, it was nice of him in his retirement message just to remind us that he had uh, played in an English team that reached number one in the world. Uh, he'd won five Ashes and had also been a player of the series in one of them, Flem. So I thought that was a yeah, nice little touch of him. Yeah, I reckon 2013, the batting in that series was insane. Um, but you, you, you saw him throughout the career. Warney was a big fan early, wasn't he? Yeah, Warnie <laughs> welcomed him into proceedings in a calm manner. He was all over him, wasn't he? Just the verbals and the, the body language and, yeah, he was, uh, gave but him it was a horrid time. Also, and I think Bell, from, from Warn, wasn't it, that Bell, you know, could have been the dominant England player. Well, he was close to it for, for a long period of time. So he was yeah. trying to get into him yeah. very early in his career. Yeah, no, he certainly did that, and and I, I don't think well, Belly wasn't on his own that he struggled a bit against Warney initially, but, uh, but certainly developed into an absolute world class player, and um, 
Yeah, featured a little bit in the Big Bash over here too, didn't he, for the Scorchers? Yeah, and one, had one of the most glorious cover drives yeah, uh, uh, ever to grace us out. So also, congratulations, Billy. Former teammate of mine. I played for the Bears. Did you get on the park, Flip? Uh 18 balls. 18, was it? Right. And straight home again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, I think every time I see him, I go, mate, I don't get the invite to the past players stuff. What's happening, Belly? <laughs> <laughs> Great career. Um, moving on, the uh, the IPL started on Sunday as well, uh, which is great. It's not being held in India for COVID reasons. It's over in the UAE, um, which could be interesting with the with the grounds and the use of the grounds uh, yeah. and seeing how scores are at the start. And, how, and, and what the scores are at the end of, uh, of the IPL um, and how well the wickets uh, hold up. But they do, they do have an impressive uh, way of getting a wicket back up over in the UAE and, and it skids on under, under lights quite nicely. So yeah. maybe, maybe scores will stay high. But um, with the results so far, we've got a win to, to Chennai, Delhi, uh, Bangalore and Rajasthan. Um, and last night's game, guys, I don't know if you saw uh, any of the highlights or have heard, but um, Rajasthan Royals against Chennai Super Kings equaled uh, the, the amount of sixes <laughs> hit in one IPL game with a whopping <laughs> total of 33 sixes in one game. <laughs> well, I tell you, I actually, given that I'm living in Perth and uh, we are allowed outside... Um, <laughs> I went out to dinner last night with a couple of mates. Uh, Don't want to rub it in, boys. But uh, I got home, flicked the TV on just in time to watch the last four overs of Rajasthan batting. And uh, Steve Smith played beautifully. But Jofra Archer came in the last over. What did you say? 36 sixes or 30? I reckon what he had about four or five in that last over. It was four in a row, didn't he? Yeah. I think at one point, because um, Gee was bowling no balls and wides, I think he had either 25 or maybe even 30 off two balls at one point. Yeah. Because <laughs> he kept bowling no balls and free hits. They were going over the fence. It was hilarious. Oh, entertaining stuff. Um, but in, terms of, <laughs> in terms of the entertaining game for me, guys, was the Delhi Capitals versus the yeah. uh, Kings Eleven. Yeah. Um, Super over. How good. Straight, like, none of this draw business. Just, no, nah, let's go straight into the super over. Get it, uh, get it going. And uh, a good friend of mine, the Hulk, uh, big, big Stoney, uh, just, just getting it done. 53 off, off 21 with the bat to, uh, to give them a, to give Delhi a great uh, or a, a decent total. Um, to yeah, set. they were in trouble. They were in a lot of trouble. And then they were in trouble again. Um, with the last over, the Kings eleven needed 13 to win off the last over. Enter Stoin, again, the big fella. Uh, got hit for 12 off his first three balls. So he's in a bit of, in a bit of strife. <laughs> and then goes dot ball, wicket, wicket to bring it into a, uh, into a super over. And I don't know if you saw it, but this was a great case of bowling to your fields. Yeah. He had... Eight men in the circle and one bloke out at deep point and ball, tried to bowl a wide yorker, didn't quite get it. It was about a waist high fully outside off stump, hit it straight down <laughs> deep point's throat. And I was. That was the arsiest bit of cricket I've ever seen. <laughs> <I reckon. laughs> but what about the next ball, too? 
Yeah, new batter comes in and what a leg side full toss it to straight the square leg. Exactly right. He had his field in the right position, yeah. and that's that's about <laughs> all about bowling to your field swim. Uh, I get. Yeah. I can imagine uh, the cat, the coach ponting, oh. biting his nails. He'd be down to his last knuckle, I reckon. Oh, yeah. Hey, I tell you, Flemo, given that we are on the biology report and given your area of expertise, I don't know if you saw any of Mohammed Shami bowling, but uh, he's got to have the best seam and seam position in world cricket, doesn't he? It is perfection. And I reckon, um, you know, if you're a youngster and you want to start modelling yourself on, on someone, yeah, he's, he's run up an action. It's as efficient as I've seen. And then... I don't know how much you've faced him, Pete. He gets extreme bounce. You know, he's, yeah. only, he's only 5'10". Yeah, but, okay. you know, remember that test series in, at Optus Stadium in Perth? I mean, oh. he was scary, wasn't he? Yeah, well, everyone was scary on that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there were a few cross-cracks going on on that wicket, but no, Shami's a uh, class bowler and doesn't, doesn't leave the top of the stumps too often doesn't miss his mark. Uh, so in the longer format of the game, just just wears you out um, with unbelievable scene presentation as well. So he's got that ability that yeah. swings it away, but can also nip back in. So he's got he's got both sides of your bat, yeah. um, or he can control both edges. So if he's if he's on, um, he's bloody scary to face and, and dangerous. Yeah, good to see. Yep, and just, just while you mentioned Punna was head coach, I thought maybe you guys could send him a message just to say get storing up the order as well. Um, I haven't got Punna's number, so let's let's get the big fella up there because I love seeing him bat. Well, he doesn't <laughs> reply anyway. I was going to say, has he ever returned a message? <laughs> well, no, I haven't seen it. Only when he's short a golf partner. <laughs> That's the only time some big names have pulled out and he just wants to have a hit. <laughs> hey, Gilly, you just... Um, you know, you were part of the original IPL. Like, yeah. it's amazing. You know, it's just over 10 years now. I mean, it must have been just like an absolute circus that first year. Well, you're right. But it was a great unknown. It was, was it going to be, you know, serious cricket or, or a serious party? And it turned out to be a bit of both by the end of it. But um, from the opening game, I think, you know, the IPL board should have Brendan McCullum on a retainer set to that because <laughs> what better way to launch the tournament than 150 off 70 balls? Um, and then, you know, that that showed you the quality of career that was going to be on display. Then the uncertainty about how serious will it be playing with all these blokes from different nationalities um, to see Ricky Ponting and Sarah Ganguly running and embracing together that same mm-hmm. night when they got a wicket after the series we just had in 2008, which was a horrible series yeah. by way of um, PR and, and team relationships. Uh, yeah, that, that just set the tone, didn't it? And it took about three or four years, I reckon, for the owners to just start to just quash the parties a little bit <laughs> and realise that you, you've got to get the boys to, you know, just focus a little bit more. But it was... Uh, Is that when you just got to retire? Sorry, mate. Was that when you decided to retire? Yeah, that was... Yeah. Did it? Yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, yeah, my name's Gilly, not Silly. So I was getting, getting out of there very quickly. But, uh, yeah, they, IPL Nights, they actually had a TV show on the, I reckon, the second or third season. It, 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 every night um, <laughs> there was a TV show from the night before's party. 
wherever that was. It was it was unbelievable. Wow, <laughs> good times. Yeah, yeah, that all stopped when I went over there. So <laughs> missed out. Um, moving on from India, uh, we've got uh, some international cricket being played in Australia, which is really yeah. cool to see with the uh, women's T20s and one day starting this Saturday against New Zealand. Um, <laughs> that's great. Great to see. All games are going to be up at the Allen Border Field, and I think uh, it's a sellout as well for those um, yep. for the amount of people that they're letting in. Uh, so it's, it's good to see some live cricket being played back in Australia. That T20 final with 90,000 at the MC, that feels like two years ago oh. for us Melbourneites, doesn't oh. it? How, uh, how fantastic. I mean, that, that was literally a week before the world yeah. stopped, wasn't it? Yeah. So how fantastic they squeezed that in and, and got it in. Imagine if that event never happened. But that was one of the great, such a, um, without being too melodramatic, just from a cricket point of view, obviously women's cricket and but it was just such a proud moment for everyone, wasn't it? And, and, and particularly to see the, the game, the women's game, recognised in such fashion, but then their expertise put on display because they were clinical. They were brilliant. And, uh, and they're a great team to follow. Yeah, and I think the Healy's knock, you know, we'll be talking about, you know, your knocks in World Cup finals and, and, and pontings and players like that. And being in the crowd, you know, it'd have to be, you know, 60%, 70% women, um, you know, was amazing. We'll, we'll get the flow-on effect from this yep. from years to come. Um, and probably one player good luck to is Elise Perry, obviously missed the final. Yeah. Bad hammy. But they're, they're talking she's going to play, so yeah, let's hope she does. Yeah, fingers crossed. It'd be great to see her and uh, Alyssa Healy, Meg Lanning do their thing, do their thing uh, being the big three of the team. But I'm uh, I'm excited about seeing Ash Gardner get back out there again. I think she's um, she's world world class and hits a long ball. Yeah. Like clean, clean striking, which is uh, really, really ent- entertaining. Like we spoke about Maxi being able to clear boundaries, but yeah, Ash, when she's going, um, yeah. again, no ground's big enough for her. Yeah, and, uh, and the other one who was player of the tournament, Beth Mooney who I see a lot of Owen Morgan type sort of use of a wrist and the way she can sort of hit over the offside, uh, hits a bit inside out and uh, and then can also go to the leg side. But uh, she's very, very impressive. Clever. Uh, top of the order there and um, versatile cricketer. Mm. And Flem, you sort of touched on it. We're, we're starting to see um, these benefits of these young players uh, starting to come through or younger girls starting to really embrace cricket and, and play at a younger age. Um, I know your daughter's a, a very good good player of, of cricket as well. Um, but I'm excited to see uh, what Annabelle Sutherland can do as well, if she can hopefully get a game. Um, but, I mean, she makes a big bash debut at the age of 15 um, and, you know, I think takes four wickets uh, on debut with the Melbourne Stars. She's, she's exciting and one of these young players coming through, which... Uh, which is great, and she's a Victorian, so even better. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she's a, a modern-day cricketer. You know, it's male and female. They, they know their games in and out. Like the, her debut, I think, was at the junction. Bit of mm. a run chase, although they were setting a target. Mid-offs up. So, you know, just I think it was first or second ball. You know, she goes inside out over mid-off because oh. that was the, the most likely chance of getting a boundary. It, you know, from a teenager on debut, I thought, wow. Yeah. Uh, confidence, knows her game. 
um, because she's been practice, she's been part of this pathway for years. No, very exciting to see a lot of youngsters coming through there with the uh, Australian women's team. Hey, uh, what's happening with the shield, Pete? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, looks like it's going ahead, guys. We're going to get yes. some some first class cricket. Uh, it, it looks as if it's going to be uh, hub life in Adelaide. Um, you know, hoping that nothing changes over the next the next few weeks. Uh, what has what has happened or what started for us this week? Um, the Victorian cricket team we have to go into a two week self isolation, so we go into a slightly harder quarantine than what Melbourne is in at the moment. Yeah. Um, then we'll fly to Adelaide uh, and have a two week hotel quarantine, um, probably similar to to what the AFL had to do. Uh, in which we will be able to train, which is yeah. is really, really lucky. We, we're going through sort of the ins and outs now in terms of rooms and what we can and can't do, um, who we can see, what the food's going to be like, if we can get, if we can get a beer into the rooms, um, <laughs> which, which could be key. Um, and then we come out of that hotel quarantine and two days later play our first, uh, our first Shield game. So... It's good. It's good that it's happening, and and if we have to do this to to play cricket, then that's that's fine. But um, we might. It looks like we'll get four shield games in before the big bash, uh, or all the other states will, except for Victoria and New South Wales, which may may only get three, or may get the fourth if uh, if quarantine issues can lighten up a little bit. Um, because yeah, we need to it, we need to worry about what's going on with the big bash as well. So. We don't want to be in a constant hub. We don't want to go from a shield hub to a bash uh, hub. big bash hub without coming home first because uh, otherwise we could be away for, well, for the entire season um, and potentially not see our families. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. I, I thought I read or someone said that Justin Langer said potentially there, there are scenarios that some players could be in hub life from one to the next to the next for up to about 140 days or something. So. That's uh, they're, they're extreme lengths that people are going to and prepared to go to um, to try and make it all work, but it's it's a jigsaw that's not fitting together very easily, isn't it? No, no, and it's ever changing as well. Um, yeah. And obviously, everyone's doing doing amazing things, working with the governments and all that to get this done. But it can also take time to to get everything done properly and making sure that all these quarantine issues and um, you know, a, a spot on uh, so that we can yeah, stop the spread of, of COVID. And those games will be played, uh, what, down sort of Glenelg and, and uh, Karen Rolton Oval and places like that? Yep. There's even talk there might be one on or a couple on Adelaide number two. Um, oh, jeez. Which, uh, which those, if you're a batsman there. <laughs> the Adelaide test. Uh, that's normally where the Pims tent is. So yeah. <laughs> it's, um, it's a small ground. Um, so yeah, fill your boots if it's uh, if you're a batter. Oh yeah, how flat! Yeah. <laughs> good luck, but yeah, good good to see, hopefully playing some cricket. But yeah, that you know, with Jofra Archer coming out, you know, and saying no to the big bash, you know, because yeah. of not wanting to be in a continual bubble, you know, that there's just going to be things that pop up that you really haven't thought about. Um, but you can only do what you can with the situation, really. Yep. Yep. Spot on, Flynn. Is that it for Pete's Newsweek? That's my news. Big news. There's a lot of news there. Been busy. It's good to see 
things cranking up in the cricket world, eh? That is. Hey, Gil, going back to your career, um, World Cups, three of them, um, 99, 03, 07. Do you you have a favourite of them? Um, And to finish the 07 final and the squash ball is always worth a chat. (laughs) Well, it's funny, Pete mentioning there, you know, all the logistics of getting in and out of hubs and bubbles and all that and whether you can get a beer in there. Flem, remember at the start of the 99 World Cup, our illustrious coach, Jeff Marsh, put us on an alcohol ban. That that was not in the spirit of things back in that day and age, was it? Not how you played cricket. I can still vividly remember him saying drinking ban. Um, So how do you reckon that went, Pete, like a lead balloon? Um, Well, I mean, I can only imagine that everyone broke this rule. Well, it was clearly going to be broken. It was a matter of time. Well, Bob started crying, didn't he? <laughs> the, 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 the announcement was made at, you know, end of training at lunchtime. It was only a matter of hours until it was going to be broken. But <laughs> fortunately, um, I mean, poor old Tugger, Steve Wall was captain at the time and he was sort of more mates with Swampy than, than necessarily captain coach and he sided with him initially. But thankfully we had the, the sage advice, the experience of big, long Tom Moody. Correct. Who, uh, took Tugger under his wing and had a few stern words with him. <laughs> There's not many more thirstier men than Tommy Moody around the world of cricket. So, um, yeah, sanity prevailed and um, we're allowed to... to, to, to <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? You know, professional athletes talking about the desperation to be able to consume alcohol. But, you know, a, a World Cup in the UK, well, that's, that's boyhood dream. So we couldn't get tied away in our hotel rooms at night and not be allowed to go and enjoy some of the festivities. So... Um, yeah, the boys not playing. If you're not playing, you want to have a beer. But I reckon when we relented it big time, yeah, in those Headingley dressing rooms, we didn't lose another game. Can you <laughs> see the link there? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't yeah. drink piss and we're losing. Drink piss and we win the World Cup. We win. That's it. That's a perfect correlation. That's uh, so. Yeah, that was. I mean, all, of the three World Cups, Flem, I think all very different in nature that, like what we say, the 99 one uh, lost two of our first three games. So from that moment on, we just, we were on wood. We couldn't lose another game. And we fought and scrapped our way through, clawed our way into the, ended up in the semis, then obviously had that famous tie and sort of that, sort of by default, we get into the final and then basically the final, we play our perfect game of cricket. Bowl, bowl the opposition out for 130 and get them one or two down and game over. So that was a real battle, wasn't it? A real struggle. Um, but did you feel by the time we made the final and those incredible wins or ties against South Africa that, you know, I felt at training we were just flying before the final. It's almost like doesn't matter what situation we get ourselves into, we can yeah. win. Yeah, yeah, and it's quite a Ironic, wasn't it, from the first few games where, yeah, you reflect training was a shambles by not anyone's fault, but there was all these other issues. There was journalists writing stuff that Warney was bagging Tugger and wanted to be captain and Tugger just dropped Warney in the world. You know, all those side issues and nothing seemed to be working. And um, I just remember that two brand-new white Dukes balls in May in the UK weren't an opening batsman's best friend. Uh, and, um, uh, but it was a shambles, but and we, we couldn't win a game. And then all of a sudden, you know, a lot of hard work and a bit of time later, 
Remember that game against the West Indies where we bowled them out for about 120 and we it was going to be to our benefit, Pete, if we um, went slow in the run chase because that was going to um, nail someone else's net run rate or something. Anyway, so we, we, we basically blocked it for 44 overs to chase 120, <laughs> which is sort of kind of ironic when, you know, three weeks before we were fighting for our life to take any win, even a draw would have been good. But, yep. um, yeah, we... We we hit hit it perfectly, didn't it? It's rare when, you know, on the biggest moment on the biggest stage that you play your perfect game. You know, not all AFL grand finals are absolute cliffhangers, and yeah. not all sort of finals of any type in any sport are, are really the best game. But um, maybe other people don't think that was a great game, but we did. We played our perfect game, didn't we, at Lords? And speaking okay. of uh, speaking of perfect games, Gilly, uh, the two thousand and seven final with the squash ball. Uh, it's got to be a pretty, pretty much a perfect game for you. Yeah, that was. Um, yeah, it probably was probably for for all of us again. Um, yeah, so and I mean, so to two thousand and three with Punter getting one hundred forty yeah. and Mardo and well over you know what did we get three fifty. Uh, that 03 World Cup um, went. We you know we went through lost Warney the night before the, the first game, so that was a bit of a setback. But we. But we went through um, with some challenges, but but again peaked at the right time. But 07, it just felt like we just were so finely well well tuned as a team. We just sort of crushed everyone. Sounds a bit self indulgent, but we just seemed to steamroller all the opposition. Uh, and then we got to the final, and um, I'd had a pretty average, well mediocre, not not shocking, but not a great tournament, and. Just wanted to try, and I knew that was going to be my last World Cup game. Excuse me. And I, we won the toss at Barbados against Sri Lanka, and then it started raining, so there was a delay. But we we we'd already elected to bat first, so I thought I'd go out the back of the change rooms at Barbados and just just try to lie down, get some peace and quiet, and not use up too much sort of mental energy. Hmm. And I fell asleep. Uh, and was woken up by Mike Young, our fielding coach, going, Gilly, Gilly, the umpires are on their way, mate. What are you doing? <laughs> so I got up, sort of in a panic, grabbed my stuff, and I, that's where I looked, Flemo, at my little squash ball that I'd been using through the whole tournament, unbeknownst to anyone other than my batting coach back in Perth. And, and in a nutshell, it was a little training device that I used just to try to fine-tune my technique. And, yeah. Don't allow too much of my bottom hand to grip the, the, the uh, bat handle. Otherwise, I'd lose shape of my shot a little bit. But I'd used it all tournament, and I look. I vividly remember looking at it, knowing that the game World Cup's about to start the final, and I looked at it, and I thought, do I or don't I? It hasn't really served me that well so far. And I thought, nah, I've got, to, I've got to go with it one more time. So I jammed it in there, ran out there, and, and uh, yeah, well, Revealed to the world that I had it in there when I got a hundred. But uh, bit like Tom Hanks's volleyball castaway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, little yeah it was. Uh, tell you what, that was a batting wicket. That that was a wicket and a half. So yeah, great day, perfect day for us, and and we got to celebrate winning the World Cup twice. <laughs> we in the farcical you oh. know, where they called it off yep. because of the bad light. So we celebrated, and then they said, no, 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 you got to come back tomorrow. We went, what? No chance. I was working on that. I was, yeah. I got sent downstairs to get the interviews. Yeah. And it was that dark, Pete, that the only bloke I could recognise was Andrew Simons because Simo had the dreadlocks. 
Yeah. Um, so he looked like Predator. Hados um, looked like Arnie Schwarzenegger, and you couldn't tell, could you? It was that dark, Gil. Yeah, it was. It and was it was Rudy Kutzer, the umpire, the third umpire, saying we have to come back tomorrow. Mm. Whereas even the Barbadian local fans, they knew, no, nah, 15 overs, it's it's yeah. game. But no, nah, that that and I think that's just about the most dominant World Cup ever. By yeah, a, it was, by a, it was a team that was. Yeah, just had the perfect balance uh, for the conditions and the bowling lineup. Sean Tate, I think what Tate, I think only played 30, maybe 30 or 31 or two game one days for Australia, but 11 of those were in that World Cup. And that was, he was just bowl fast. Jeez, he bowled fast. And then Bracken with all his skill. yeah, that's not a. He's probably not a name that's going to be thrown up there with some of the the greatest ever Australian bowlers. But certainly through that little period of time and, and that tournament, skill wise and homing his skills for the conditions was just brilliant. And Hoggy getting in there with his spin. So um, yeah, celebrated well. Celebrated well uh, after that one. We unfortunately were stuck for two days in Barbados after the World Cup final. So that's terrible. Uh, we certainly um, worked out how to celebrate there. Hey, Gil, we've just started to get a little segment of getting uh, comedians to, to pick their uh, theme 11s. We've had bald 11s. We've had uh, want to have a beer 11s, hate 11s from Lemo. But we've got one of our mates, one of mm. Australia's great stand-ups and a breakfast and drive FM superstar. And you can see him on Have You Been Paying Attention? It's, of course, Marty Sheargold. Marty, thanks for yeah. joining. Oh, what a pleasure. Are you joking? Peter, lovely to meet you for the first time. Gilly, always lovely to see you. Mate, I just thought he left out, Flem, you left out the intro there. Some of the fastest hands in the business with the gloves on, old Shigsy. Yeah. What he continues to tell me anyway at about 3am. What was so amazing about me as a schoolboy cricketer was that I was the only wicketkeeper at that level who was actually frightened of the ball. (laughs) (laughs) Which made me a real standout. <laughs> I was fine if I was like, you know, seven, eight, ten metres away from the wickets. But if a spinner was bowling, I would uh, toss the gloves to old Gus Mether at first slip. <laughs> <laughs> Quick pad change, off for an orange. What uh, was your preferred batting position, Chicks? About eight. I, like, I felt good at eight. Yep. Uh, anywhere earlier than eight, and I felt like the openers probably hadn't done their job. Uh, eight i felt good about i felt better about nine i'm not gonna lie and who did you who did you love growing up was it um keepers like rob marsh and co or or? well i really loved jeffrey dujon um, because he just had so much sort of style he was part of that West Indies team which was unbelievable but he had so much class behind the stumps everything was effortless and he looked like he was about 63 kilos (laughs) where I was sitting at the time and his pads were like big and I kept thinking wow he looks like a guy who's just turned up to have a run that Arvo hasn't got any of his own gear 
but he was unbelievable and could bat a bit too. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, so Dujon was a big one. When we were kids, long did story. Like, we, did you like Australia at all? Yeah, yeah, I was just about to say, when we were kids, we lived in London for a year and um, we went we went to Lords, and my brother in his bedroom made a big lily sign on just a thin sort of sheet that was about, you know, two foot wide and about 10 feet long and I held one end and Craig held the other end and we were on the hill at Lords, and DK was down at third man and turned around and gave us a wink and a wave just over the tiny picket fence and we were like, yes, <laughs> this is the greatest day ever. <laughs> yeah, they stay with you those moments, don't they? I, I remember going and waving to Rod Marsh at the SCG and he waved back to me and I went home that night absolute, like it was like this sort of tractor beam eyesight that I had with him that that's destiny, I'm going to wicket keep for Australia and I, when I when I met him, I, I asked if he could remember that. Yeah, <laughs> funnily enough, he couldn't. But I described where I was sitting, yeah, right in front of where the wives sat. So he was actually probably waving to his wife. But anyway, <laughs> set me off on a journey that I, I was more than happy to follow. Absolutely, yeah, I, I, I remember um, waving to um, Steve War uh, when I was in the team, and he didn't wave back, and I knew it wasn't. <laughs> No. That was after the second of the deliveries to Lance Kluzer in that oval at Edgbaston, yeah. uh, I reckon. Yeah, he didn't wave back because he had the new ball and it uh, <laughs> wasn't for you, Flynn. <laughs> hey, Marty, what's your theme 11 for this week? Well, um, Flynn and I touched base and we kicked a few theme 11 ideas around. Um, but where we eventually landed was mustachioed cricketers <laughs> um, and just the mo. This is the yes. interesting thing. Not the Moan beard. Yep. So just the so, what we would consider the solid Mo. <laughs> um, and I've tried to make it more of an international feel, and I'm welcoming inclusions and additions and subtractions. So feel free to get involved. Uh, you want me to go through it, Flem? Who's opening, mate? Greenwich and Gooch. <laughs> <laughs> um, Little, yeah. I've, I've also provided a little, a couple of interesting stats as we go, Flem. Different Tasha's though, like um, Gordon's was really neat, whereas yes. Brian Gooch had that real droopy mo, didn't he? Thick. He did. Um, and I, I, as I was sort of looking around at Gooch, I couldn't work out if he's Sir Graham Gooch or whether he's just an OBE. Um, but he's not Sir Graham Gooch, is he? I don't think so. Jeez. Uh, He's unlucky, dear thing. He's unlucky. Played until he was 42 and had 20 appearances at Lords as a Test cricketer. (laughs) Isn't that unbelievable? (laughs) That's a lot of lunches. That's a lot of lunches. (laughs) The best lunch in the business there, isn't it? Is it? Is it the best lunch? What do they lay on at Lords? Whatever you want. She's proper a la carte, mate. You go in there, you really? can get a rump steak, you can get some pasta, you can get anything you want. Prawns. You're just ordering. Oh, mate. Mike Cadding didn't play there for nothing. <laughs> he, he started at 63 kilos. <laughs> and he's actually round. He's round now. <laughs> <laughs> he's changed shape. Um, 
coming in at number three, I couldn't go past Booney, obviously. Oh, yeah. yeah. But what you forget about Booney or you don't forget about Booney is 2100s, which in those days was unbelievable. 2100s was like the benchmark of hundreds. Mm. They like were like West the, Indies a lot too. Yeah. Well, um, Greenwich, Greenwich himself had um, 19. Um, 52 cans for Boone is the number that they that they sort of put on him. It seems a lot, but it does seem as though he could have done that. Um, coming in at coming in at four, Sir Clive Lloyd, mm. um, Wisdom Cricketer of the Year in the year that I was born, seventy one. <laughs> Uh, just a bit of fun and just a, a cheeky little 10 wickets along the way as well. The big cat. Yeah. A little bit of right arm medium. He didn't I, bowl I a lot. imagine very medium. He didn't bowl a lot when I was a kid watching. No. no, I don't ever remember seeing him bowl a ball. Jeez, you look like the heaviest bat in the history of the game too, wasn't it? Yeah, was it a Slazenger? Did he bat with a Slazenger? I thought he had the county. He might add the county. Um, coming in at five, me and dad. <laughs> um, I knew his brother, me arm dad, different guy. <laughs> an average of 52. What's the moment you remember with Jarvid most? Oh, For me, it's got to be when Dennis just poked him oh, yeah. to kick into the pads and, and yeah, that's that Jarvid. Java was ready to go. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Hey, he was on. Mate, he's representing Pakistan. You either went or you were left out of the side forever. <laughs> uh, I'm, obviously, I'm not moving in any sort of Dean Jones territory there. I'm just making <laughs> observations. <laughs> How many hundreds did Java get, you reckon? Um, he, I'll tell you what he was, Gil. He was the youngest... Um, Youngest cricketer on debut to get 100. He was yeah. 19. Yeah. And in that same series against um, New Zealand, he was the youngest guy to ever get a double ton. Jesus. And, 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 and the only test cricketer to do it in a New York Yankees cap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't big on uh, team apparel back in those days, Pakistan. Talk no. <laughs> it wasn't that grim about it. He said, whatever you could get from home, that's pretty much it. Well, it looked like that, didn't it, in the one day is when they'd all come out in different shades of green pads. <laughs> different helmets. <laughs> different helmets. It's like, whoa, whoever's looking after the gear needs to get it out of the sun. <laughs> the boys reckon he got 100 once in a McDonald's cap. Yeah. yeah. Not just a New York Yankees McDonald's. What about that? <laughs> um, coming in at six, I had AB, of course, oh, one of the great Mo's. Yeah. Um, 156 tests, 153 of those consecutively. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah, you is. know who beat that record? Alistair Cook. Oh, really? They're Alistair. Jesus. Yeah. But then, I don't yeah. think Cook might not have ever got dropped. Ever. I, I think you might be right. Yeah. Um, 27 tonnes for AB. I mean, he was a pretty handy cricketer. Um, but also one of the most deeply unhappy cricketers running around. <laughs> That's what 
<laughs> so to really separate him from all the other guys who were having fun. <laughs> Boy, his mo, his mo was quite clinical as well. Like very yeah. well shaped, very neat and tidy. Yeah. Um, you know, trim didn't didn't try and go for the big and bushy David Boone. It was yeah, all class. Yeah. Well, I think it summed him up as well, didn't it? Yeah. You know, the sort of retention around the mo was similar to the personality of the man. Yeah. He was a clean cutter and a clean shaver, obviously, around that mark. Yeah. yeah. I mean, famously giving McDermott a spray on the bench and telling, <laughs> uh, on the fence and telling him he'd send him home. One of the great moments with yeah. just a really cranky guy. <laughs> um, obviously, it's well, not obviously, but at seven I had Rod Marsh. Yeah. 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 And, you know, as I was looking at Marsh, what I realised, Gilly, is, and I don't know if this was intentional on your behalf, that you both retired after 96 tests. Yeah, that's right. We did. Now, was that a factor in your decision-making process at the time? Not even slightly. <laughs> yeah, good call. Um, I, love, I love the synergy now. Uh, yeah. And the romantic in me thinks, yeah, that, I could go with that, but no, no. <laughs> Not at all. But, uh, he also had 355 dismissals, which was mm. the same as the amount of wickets DK Lilly ended up with. Yeah, that was, that was amazing. You're doing some good trivia here, Marty. Well, you just be, there's so much, you, you know. How many, how many times Court Marsh bowled Lilly? Oh, good, don't know. 88. 88, 88 I reckon. Yeah. I reckon 95. How many for McGrath, a court Gilchrist bowled McGrath? Right, okay. Was it 95 for court Marsh bowled Lily, was it? Yeah, and do you know how many you caught off Glenn McGrath? Uh, just short of that. 90. Right. Gee. That one stumping. Trouble is, I, Pidge was a better bowl than that. If I'd held all of them, I would have had 140. <laughs> um, you know... Can't be too cheesy. <laughs> some some wonderful post post sort of wicket chats with Pidge and I'd imagine as well. Just one of the great chatters, Pidge. Oh yeah. <laughs> right. So that's the back as your keepers covered off. Coming in at eight, Capel Dev. <laughs> Four hundred yeah. wickets and five thousand runs. Yeah. I mean, what a cricketer! And bowling in India back in those days, where they had all the spinners. You know, he's very, very similar stats. He played more tests, but very similar stats to both of them, and I was really torn. Both of them had about 380-odd wickets and 5,000 runs. Yeah. Played, played less tests, therefore had a better average. But I was like, it's capital dev for me every day of the week over both of them, just because both of them such a dick. <laughs> <laughs> and played in England as well. Like, same conditions in England, easier to get wickets. Yeah. Yeah, good call, Pete. He was a beauty, Capital Dev. Coming in at nine with the late mo, Mitch Johnson. Yeah, an aggressive mo. Aggressive, yeah. Bikey mo. Quickest bloke to one hundred and fifty wickets. Didn't know that. Uh, Yeah. Then had a bit of an issue, didn't he? Drop, you know, really had that form slump that was like. Mate, he was a good cricketer in his day. But then, bang, he was back. <laughs> that that bowling, I, I've never, you know, Brett Lee was the quickest Australian bowler I played with. 
But I, th- I think Mitchell Johnson's the most hostile Australian bowler I've seen. Yeah, there weren't many on a length, were there? How many times did he hit Graham Smith in the hand <laughs> and pin Callis on the crease, like off at short length? No. And, and that added, the Mo ha- he was a better moustache cricketer than clean-shaven cricketer. Definitely. Yes. He gave him his power, I reckon. He, uh, mm. Yeah, extra cup, maybe 5K with the Mo. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It had a sort of a Fu Manchu feel about it, the Mo as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, Bit of a China syndrome thing happening, which would have been fun around the grounds, I would have thought. <laughs> um, coming in at 10, Sir Richard Hadley. Yeah. Mm. A new ball, new ball specialist. 431 re- wickets at 22. Oof. I mean, it's easy to forget, isn't it? But his moustache was like his bowling action, so efficient. Like it was a real he, – he spent time too, you know, like yeah. mm. shaving under the nostrils and mm. sure that it was um, efficient and compact. Impeccably um, groomed and presented. Mm. And, Gil, you probably would have been about the well, same as you, Marty. That year he took 33 wickets and three oh. tests. That, that nine for – Unbelievable. It was unbelievable, wasn't it? Yep. Yep, and, and a bit of a lone wolf, wasn't he, too? I mean, yeah, the erstwhile you and Chatfield just tooling away at the other end, but uh, big, big Dickie Hadley, he had to do a lot of that heavy lifting yep. for that team. And didn't he? Gave was. him half a chance in a couple of, I mean, they drew a series, didn't they? Um, coming in at 11, of course, DK Lilly, and mainly at 11 because he had a batting average of 13. <laughs> but 3.55 at 23. Yeah. Um, World cricket stats. When we were kids, he was just he was unbelievable. When we were kids, um, what the, the smoothness of the of the sort of delivery stride and the run up to the crease, we were like, this guy's a freak. Then the headband, we were like, God, what's going on? It was like watching the village people um, <laughs> yeah, all running together in, in one human. Mm. That yeah. could have worked, couldn't it? You know, the the policeman, the cowboy, the fast bowler, like. <laughs> I could see DK working that gay scene in New York very easily and very happily. <laughs> I could really see him working a podium with a couple of the young guys, just him mentoring them through the New York scene and really making them feel comfortable with who they are in themselves. Is the well, solid appeal, work on the appeal bed. alone would work, wouldn't it? If well, he appeal. Well, that'd be the that'd be the um, the signature dance move on the dance floor. Just only finish when it got a little bit warm with the uh, the flick of the sweat off it. Boom! Get us a drink, Michael. Yeah. Not, <laughs> not COVID friendly that technique, but um, no, mate, that's that's the thought. He he rolls to his own sort of sound, doesn't he? Yeah, it's all PPE now. He could have yeah. danced with one of those big plastic masks on. <laughs> Is that a, man a, a 12th man? I didn't, I didn't name a 12th man, but I, I named some honourable mentions. Merv, of course, gets in there. Mm. Um, Ian Chappell, one of the great Moes and a very aggressive cricketer. Hooksy. Um, and as we were discussing... Um, Hooksy Len, one of the only fair-haired cricketers to go the mark. Yeah. And, Flem, when we were, we were talking about him earlier... Th- a first-class ton of 34 balls in about 45 minutes. 
<laughs> Could you imagine if you were just there that day? Yeah. Uh, just yeah. just 34 ball ton while you're minding your own business having a schooner. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't believe your luck. Uh, 1982 in Adelaide, there's a good chance I'd be at the Adelaide Oval. Not a lot Which, happening there. Um, both of them we talked about. Now, I just threw in um, A.E. Trott, uh, who for the hardcore fans was a turn-of-the-century cricketer who only played five tests and then played a lot of cricket in England. He had a very sad end to his life, and I'll leave you to Google that for yourselves. But I had him in there because he's one of possibly the only blokes to ever hit a six over the Lord's Pavilion. Ooh. Could you imagine with the equipment they would the, the bat that he would have had in his hand at the time? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, funnily enough, they they tried to replicate that. They got a bowling machine out, put it on the put it on a perfect length, got some of the batters, uh, like current Middlesex batters now, to try and hit it over the pavilion with the bat with these bats. Couldn't do it. So, God, you must have hit it sweet as a nut. Pretty impressive. Awesome. Marty, could he have done that clean shaven? No, he no. couldn't have. No. no. Did they have no. mustaches, those middle sex dudes? Nah. No. no. No, no, there you go. No power. Hey, Pete, quickly, how do you rate that team compared Good. to the beer 11, the bald 11? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amongst the others, um, you know, probably probably a good drinking team as well. Um, yeah. If, I, if I'm going through those names, uh, I had a couple of stiff omissions. Um, Shika Darwin and Ravindra yeah. Dadeja, Jadeja, both yeah. have really given it the curls on the side. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another one in that category, Pete's uh, the Demon Spoffeth. He, yeah. he had the real curl your mo going, didn't he? Yeah, he was on the list. In fact, he, he, he might have clipped the umpire's hat on the way past to deliver that, but Mo was so far out to the right-hand side. Yeah, it had tickled the um, batsman at the other end as they were backing up. They just got a little tickle there. But the demon unlucky, but I think that's the best team that's been picked. Hmm. Well, it's not hard. There was a lot of moustaches around, do you know what I mean? And, and yeah. they were at the top of their game. You didn't notice the moustache unless the bloke wearing it was playing great cricket because there was that many moustaches around. Yeah. Did you have a spinner in there? I don't think you did, did you? I didn't have a spinner in there. I couldn't think of a spinner who had a mo. Ray Spotty Bright. Ooh. Ray Bright. Yeah. But does he make the team or are we just putting him in for the mo? Well, he's a bit like what you said, the 70s and the early 80s, but I reckon there was a 2000s period where facial hair just wasn't. Yeah. There's a right. whole generation of, of where you couldn't pick from. From yeah. late nineties well, to, to early two thousand tens. Well, and I think that's a community thing, Flem, where just body hair has mm. been removed at some point. It's not just about facial hair. I haven't seen a pubic hair in about fifteen or twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not in this house. Am I right, sweetheart? <laughs> yes, I reckon that's around. a good note to finish on. <laughs> oh, brilliant, gentlemen, Gil, Marty. Pete, as always, thanks for joining us on the Biology Report. Um, we'll be back soon. But, Marty, good luck in isolation, Pete. Thank Gil, you. Just keep killing them on Fox Sports. All right. Good on you, chaps. Thanks, gentlemen. Yeah. Good on you, blokes. Good fun. <laughs>
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 